to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, July 27th. Yes, I said Wednesday, but as I promised to all of you listeners on both Monday and Tuesday's podcast, we were going to record a Tennis Point Tuesday episode this week. Unfortunately, that got pushed back as both we here at Cracked Rackets as well as people over at Tennis Point HQ. It's just been busy times in the tennis world. That's going to happen when you have five ATP and WTA events happening within a single week on the calendar. Nevertheless, a bit delayed, but we've got another fantastic edition of Tennis Point Tuesday for all of you listeners here on Wednesday, where we'll break down everything happening on both the ATP and WTA tours, talk about the biggest storylines at each of the events, name our contenders at each of the events, as well as the dark horses we see still remaining in the draw. Of course, if it's a Tennis Point Tuesday. You know who's going to be joining me on the other side of this podcast, the man you know as the wizard behind so many things happening at Tennis Point. Of course, it's our friend, Nate Walrath. Nate, welcome back to the show. How are you doing this week? Fantastic, my man. It's uh, coming down the hot stretch with the uh, American Hardcourt swing almost here. If I felt like it was forever away at the beginning of the summer, and it's like now it's August almost. And uh, so we're kicking ourselves in the gear, our, our tent is up and up and uh, set up at the Western and Southern and the grounds are coming along looking, looking beautiful. And uh, I can't wait to see you there and see the rest of the tennis community there. Have you already had your first skyline fries? No, I, I was saving that for when you and I went, bro. Yeah, that way we can do 101 Dalmatians and like eat the fry out of this same fry out of both of our mouths until it gets all the way down and we can take the photo. That does sound like something. We are, we'll do it with the spaghetti as well. We'll go five way and we'll slurp <laughs> the noodle. You know the imagery, uh, fans. Dude. Obviously, I feel like everyone's seen that movie. My, my, and also, I, I had I had to throw this out there. My mom's been listening to our, our Tuesday episodes, and uh, I always get feedback on, uh, on on from mom how we're doing. And she was like, "Make sure make sure I meet Gruskin when he comes in town. I I need to meet this guy. She really appreciated your uh, she really appreciated your Fabio joke from last podcast. She was like, Nate, you you actually had no idea who that Fabio guy was, and I I was like, Nah, but I couldn't I couldn't ruin Gruskin's joke, and I, I ended up doing who it was. And I was like, this guy, I've seen this guy before, for sure. That's but. hilarious. Oh, it's even better that you didn't know the Fabio. Yeah, he was like, what, a 1980s model or something? The guy with the Are, long he, hair, Fabio. He was before Arnold Schwarzenegger, that was the guy. Yeah, exactly. That's the great way of putting it. He's an Arnold Schwarzenegger type. That's how I would describe Fabio. But hello to Mrs. Walrath. I look forward to meeting you in Cincinnati. I imagine she will be on the grounds, right? For sure. For All sure. Right. I'm, that's priority one. Forget whatever showcases we're working together or whatever other media things we want to do. That is priority number one for me in the month of August. But yeah, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you and you talk about all the things going on right now. Last week, it was four events all on one surface. This week, we get two surfaces for the price of one. I mean, we've got three clay court events, two hard court events. The best part is just the return of physicality. Maybe it's mm-hmm. because, again, the grass courts, we, we had a month of it or five weeks consecutively. And grass court tennis, while having certain perks that the other surfaces do not, it rewards aggression. It rewards boldness. We, you know, finishing points is uh, a, a skill that is maximized on that surface. 
the physicality this week we've seen across the board, whether it's in Atlanta where I just forgot how a ball bounces on a hard court. Like watching Tommy Paul uh, today versus Sun Wukwan, there were moments I was like, like, how did that ball get as high on the court as it did? And I was like, oh, yeah, we're on a hard court now. Or like, how did he manage to track that ball down? Oh, we're on a hard court now. It was easier to change direction. Where are you with the five? Is five events too many? Five events is a lot. That's a, it's a that's lot. A little, that's a little hefty. I mean, for someone that's trying to keep up in the loop with all things tennis on both sides of the tour, I know, like, I respect what you do because I mean, I don't know how you do it. It's like I have to. I, I catch highlights here and there. I check Twitter, and then I tune into a couple matches per day where I, like, I know I have to see like some portion where like before like the day's over, and it's like that is a you have to you have to double do double duty when you got five events going on. So it's a lot more homework for for, for people like yourself, I'm sure. I wish I had kept up with my college readings in class as frequently as I keep up with the Tennis TV and WTA accounts on YouTube because it's part of my standard operating is I will watch all of those videos. And I haven't these past eight days because I've been on the broadcast for a lot of the matches. Don't need to see Dominic Team play twice. Don't need to see Holger Runa play twice, et cetera, et cetera. That I got said, a question. Oh, Before please. we get into this. Since you're watching all these YouTube videos like myself, what tournament organization does the best at promoting their event with highlight clips uh, post-production on, on the YouTube? Well, it's cheating, but the answer is the Australian Open because they had clips of every match this year. And that's the first time I ever remember that happening for a Grand Slam. And they were deep. They were like – they weren't just two minutes long. They were like – No, no, no. You had both options. You had the two or you had the eight. Like you're 100% correct. And it's like – the difference is they had a budget, right? And yep. slams have budgets. And we've gone over the TV revenue before. You know, for slams, the TV revenue is such a massive part of their of making money, and it ensures that the tournament's pretty much guaranteed to break even between just the TV revenue, the sponsors alone, let alone the gate receipts, etc. All the things that come in throughout the course of the actual event. It's just not the case for 250s, for 500s, and you know it's not, often not these tournaments, but Tennis TV and Tennis Channel that are producing the highlights that you're able to watch on YouTube. And again, they just don't aren't able to dedicate the budgets you would need to be able to do that at event after event. It's pretty cookie cutter. Like again, Tennis TV has regulated all the videos. You're going to get two minutes in between two minutes, 12 seconds. And if it's a good match, you'll get 245. And like that's how long you're getting for no more than four matches on the Tennis TV clip until you get to the semifinals where it's four minutes. And then you get to the finals where it's the full eight minutes. And the final clips are always good. But yeah. it, it comes down to the rights. Like again, TV revenue is... I, the last number I saw, it's 11% of the revenue for ATP 250s. That's just not enough. So the rights are so valuable because, again, mm-hmm. Tennis TV is paying for those additional rights as well and just the opportunity to bra- – you know, again, it's so hard to find YouTube clips because the moment you post an ATP match, it's going to get flagged and taken down due to copyright violations. We are really off the rails here. Um, you asked no, me which uh, tournament does the best. It's Australia. I live in the content world every day, so it's just interesting for me to hear someone like yourself who's like, like you know that you know this because you're working into attention. So it's like I don't think that the casual fan understands why there's such a lack of yeah. video highlights. It's a very good point. It's the rights. It's that once you have them, 
if anyone else abuses them with how thin the margins are from a profit revenue standpoint in tennis, if people are taking your rights, they're just taking your content and you want the monopoly on content because content equals revenue. And that's why because Tennis Channel, Tennis TV, they pay exorbitant amounts of money for these rights. They're not going to let anyone else take them. Now, you know, again, the best slam matches you can find long replays for. The really good stuff, even the tennis powers that be know, okay, we have to leave that. But you want to watch Atlanta second round highlights between Tommy Paul and Sun Wukwan, you have until about five hours after the match ended because someone will post highlights immediately and then that clip's going to be taken down in the next five hours. And I'm not going to out any accounts because there are some good ones out there. But again, you have about a five-minute window to a five-hour window, excuse me, to find what you're looking for. What do you think's the best? I'm curious. What do you do when you have to watch highlights? First off, I think sharing is caring. And I think if, if <laughs> tennis, I understand the, I understand the whole rights issue. I get this. Like I've been in this industry for now a few years. I understand everybody wants to hold on tight to what they own. That's, that's fair. But if you're actually looking out for, for your sport and for these athletes that grow your sport, you got to get maximum, maximum visibility, maximum exposure, and they have to get the mic in their, like in their face. And I think, um, that's how you grow the brands. That's how you get bigger sponsors in the, in the, in the basket. And I think that's the end, the end, end all be all as far as like, that's the answer. I think that tennis needs to lean in on. I don't foresee that happening, but um, yeah, I really, I got spoiled watching the Australian open this past year. I was like, wow, like this is, this is a treat. Um, the way I go about it is I fall. If it's a big match, I'm following it on Twitter almost as closely as anything. I'm following it on Twitter. I'm following it. Uh, I'm following scores. I'm trying to watch as much as I can. And then after the match, I like to go back in, look at the stats and try to find any highlights. But I mean, I just feel like tennis people have to fight so much harder than whether it's basketball or football. It's just like, we have to fight for our, our content a lot harder. I wish that was, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll help resolve that issue down, down the line. But um, we need, we, we need to, we need to do a kumbaya session, I think. We just need to figure out a way to pull the rights, make sure everyone's getting paid healthily enough to where the point they won't care about those rights being posted because I agree. Visibility is key. You want to know why certain players haven't gained the prominence of the big three and the people who preceded them. It's because you can't watch highlights of them online. And, you know, first of all, I think any highlights of Dominic team versus Alex Virov in the 2020 U S open final should probably be destroyed. Like if you own that video, take your laptop, smash it against a wall and go buy a new one. Trust me. It's worthwhile. But, like, I mean, you could, again, you can find the slam finals. It's the Masters finals. I, it's like yeah, Zverev, Medvedev, Shanghai, or like those sorts of matches are just so hard to come by. That's true. And I, I've talked about this on the Pure Tennis podcast before. And I, I don't want to, like, I, I hate bringing it back up again, but it's like, I'm a big NBA guy. Like, I've grown into the tennis media world with a lot of my background being in basketball. And going to NBA games, you can literally go to the, on, sit in your courtside seats or sit anywhere, take video of Steph Curry doing anything, take video of any LeBron James dunking the ball, post it on the internet. It's going to get a ton of engagement. They might not even give give the credit to ESPN or ABC or whoever or TNT, whoever owns the rights. But the NBA has figured out that this doesn't matter. Like that, this is making their brands and game bigger than life, and they've seen the they've reaped the benefits from that. I think if I'm a, if I'm in tennis, like I would like to see the fan perspective going to Masters 1000s. And like allow these fans to kind of show off these athletes. It's like video is king right now. And I think tennis needs to, to kind of let the gates open up a little bit and see what kind of flood brings in. 
Yeah. One last thing I would add on this note, and I apologize, Mrs. Walrith, if you're listening as I'm about to cuss. Whoever <laughs> posts the videos where you have the enticing names, you have the exact highlights I'm looking for. Oh, my God. You have Schwartzman versus Musetti. Perfect. I'm going to click on this video. I've cheated the system. And then you get the f***ing video game characters. F*** you. Like, to that, whoever dude. does that every time, <laughs> f*** you. And I mean that so truthfully, vehemently, powerfully, with every fiber of my being. F*** that person. Is that because how we're getting around this in the tennis sport is we're putting animated caricatures running around hitting, like, it's like Wii Tennis, and I'm supposed to get analyze what I'm watching. Oh, man, that, that's some Wii Tennis highlights. I love it, it happens every time. It, ha- it that is the one thing you will find. And like again, I thought my computer just got hacked. I didn't know that was like no. like okay. Justin's computer had the same ordeal. No, that right. happens to you, right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's like for sure I'm like this is only my computer. There's no way anybody else clicks, clicks on highlights and gets a Wii tennis clip. No, ever you try it. You're baited every time. You're like this is the one. <laughs> this is the one where the person's actually gonna have the highlights i'm looking for and like guys nope. we're sorry for this rant but as you can tell gruskin and i are very passionate about well our, our, our content it's a busy week we're trying to give everyone the updates and you want to know why i mean it's a little easier this week again because i'm fortunate enough to be on the broadcast but like unless you have tennis channel and tc plus which by the way if you're a tennis fan go get it right now uh it's worth it trust me it's hard to follow all of the matches. That's why we here at Cracked Rackets are so grateful we have support from you guys at Tennis Point because you all have acknowledged fans need a daily show. If you're going to try and follow everything that's happening, you just need to be able to, you know, you're not going to be able to watch all five tournaments. You need someone who's going to be able to monitor it full time. And thanks to the support we get from you, we're able to do that here at CR. Of course, everyone knows for the latest and greatest products, tennis-point.com is the place for you. And of course, you use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off all orders, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, any new things we should be looking for, Nate, as we head to this North American hardcourt swing? For sure. I would say starting off with, with the uh, the big dogs in the market, I would say Adidas and Nike, their launches are out for the U.S. Open. Be sure to check those out. What the players are going to be repping is available to you guys, the new barricades, new Ubersonics, the new kits. But I want to do a special shout-out today for our friends at Uomo. It's a, uh American clothing line based in California. I first uh, saw it in real life in Indian Wells. I thought it really looked clean. It's a a uh, high-scale clothing line. It's comparable to, I don't know, we can say Lacoste. It's I think it's just the, the linen that they use, the fabrics that they use are top of the line. And it's you see Jensen Brooks be using it. You've got uh, Thomas Burditch using it now. I've actually just been corrected. It's Thomas Burdick, I think. I've been saying Burditch my whole life. So uh, those guys, you got Pat Cash and some other guys using it, but Guys, it's a great line. I love the shorts. I love the socks, uh, the tops as well. And so I'm excited to have those guys in our tent in Cincinnati and in the U.S. Open. Um, Gruskin and I will also be doing a live show of some sort. So a lot of fun things coming down the, the uh, pipeline at Tennis Point. And uh, it's it's the hot season. So we got Western and Southern U.S. Open and two uh, exciting swings for us. I am very much looking forward to the month of August. It's going to be popping. Cincinnati. Are you coming to Cleveland? Oh, the the um, isn't that, this is the second year of that tournament? Second year of that tournament. Here's the thing: the 
Uh, I guess this is breaking news. A little announcement, a little tease here for all of you Tennis Point Tuesday listeners. Wow. I'm the MC of the event, so I'm doing the on-court interviews, and I'm doing all these different things. This is not. If a you're the MC now. and you're in, and you're personally inviting me, I this think- is what I'm saying: is if you want to come, just tell me because I think uh, this is the one time where I could actually be like, yeah, like he's coming. Tennis Point, do you guys mind? And they'll be like, no, not at all. And so, just remind me as we get closer what? if you're free. What's the date? Uh, it's the week. It's the week of my mom's birthday, so it's around August 25th. Shout out, by the way, podcast listeners. That's also a little tease for you. That's an important day here at Cracked Rackets. Got to keep Dr. G happy. Um, August 20th to the 27th, something like okay. that. Okay. That's- it's in Ohio. I, I gotta, if I'm coming to Ohio, you got to kiss the ring of Nate Walrath. Like, it's just okay. a must. <laughs> <laughs> no. We also, uh, coming up in early August, I, might, I may be making a trek up to Kalamazoo for the Hardcourt Nationals, which I've, I've been wanting to watch. So... That, that's up in your stomping grounds. I'm, I'm infringing on your grounds. I hope to see you up there as well. Do you know, I'll just say it. Now, she hasn't actually done this, but I feel peer pressure from Colette Lewis to go to Kalamazoo because I know she's not going to actually say something, but I know she'll think less of me if I'm not there. And it's like, I got to be there. Like, I have to go for at least a day or two. I just got to find a way to fit it in. All of that said, again, yeah, so many cool things right now at Tennis Point, and uh, there's a, a whole new lines of gear for just about every brand you're looking for as we all prepare for the hard court summer. And, you know, the designs that work on clay courts, on grass courts, they don't work on the hard court. So everyone's switching things up. You can find it all over on tennis-point.com. With all of that said, Nate, time to talk about some of the tennis we've got on hand this week. A busy week on the ATP and WTA Tour. Three ATP events, two WTA events. We're going to break them all down here. Go pretty quickly through each of them. I promise no more than eight minutes on all the events, Nate. That's my promise to you. I'm dialed in. Let's get yeah, it. We'll fly, we'll fly through all five of them. Let's start in Kitzbühel. That's the tournament I've had the opportunity to view the most of. I've been on the call for each of Dominic team's two victories. Started out with a straight set victory for him over 21-year-old Russian Alexander Shevchenko. How well do you know the name Denis Novikov, Nate? Is that a name not, that means anything to you? Not not yet. Should, okay. should, it, should it mean more to me? No, he was good at UCLA 2012-13 range. Won a Kalamazoo title. Just Alex Shevchenko is a motivated Denis Novikov. And if you knew Denis Novikov, I would have gotten an easy laugh out of you the same way I did in Fabio. You just left me hanging there. That one hurt. Is he, um, no, is he older than us? I don't even yeah, know Yeah, no. Novikov is, I mean, if he was 18, and yeah, he's like a 93-94 range. Point okay. being, more broadly, Shevchenko is just a better version of him, which, like, that's a, that's a player with weapons. Team, though, made that match look routine, and Team just wore him down physically. And I think when we start with Kitz Buell, Team's where we have to start because you look for Dominic Team, who's playing for the fourth consecutive week. He averaged 73 matches a year from 2014 to 2018. Nice to see him right back on the horse when healthy, playing four consecutive weeks, getting his legs back under him. I thought he was pretty solid today in a three-set victory over Sebastian Ofner, ultimately team 6-2-3-6-6-3. He advances over the qualifier. Always tough to play a fellow countryman in front of an Austrian crowd. That's obviously what team had to do today. I thought Ofner made the match extraordinarily physical. 
I thought Ofner served lights out in set number two. And he was under a 50% first serve percentage in sets one and three. He averages 56% for his career, which is 6.5% below the top 50 average of 62.5. I'm just sneaking in all the stats here, folks. They're still fresh on my mind. But Ofner served lights out in set number two. He made over 70% of his first serves. And I just thought he played his best possible tennis in set number two. And team was not playing his best tennis today. Team was spraying a bit uh, on the plus one ball. He was a little impatient working the drop shot, just unwilling to match the physicality of Ofner in set number two. But then it was a completely different team in set number three. And he was willing to make it a track beat. And, you know, the guys trade breaks in the first four games of the match. And then team locked in. And I just thought was willing to play the six, eight, 12-ball rallies, wear Ofner down. I mean, I thought the mobility out of the corners looked great. Some of the backhands he can hit out of the corner. You're just like, how do you div- – how do you – what's the word I'm looking for? How do you produce – there we go. Big word there for, for me, Michigan man, produce. That took a little while. How do you produce that sort of topspin in depth with a one-handed freaking backhand in the corner? I just like – it defies – all things I thought I knew about gravity and physics. And I thought the the biggest takeaway is, A, from team, he made round one look routine. He had to play back-to-back days, physical three-set match that he had to problem-solve his way through, not playing his best tennis. Playing fine, but not his best tennis, and he was able to do it. These are all the things you want to see a top 10 player do. Make one match look routine, get through a match where you're not playing your best early in the tournament. And of course, you look at the draw with Talon Greekspor pulling out, Matteo Berrettini pulling out, Casper Ruud pulling out. Is there a single scary player if you're Dominic team as you look at this draw moving forward? I know RBA, Ramos Vinolas in the draw, but Nate Dog, I think Dominic team's going to win the title this week. Oh, I like it. That's a hot. No, that's my actually, bold prediction for you. It's this would have been a lot hotter two weeks ago, where I didn't yeah. see his his ability to defend kind of come back, and his he's just been able to get his legs underneath him again, and like he looks much more comfortable defending on the backhand wing, playing deep into the court, resetting, getting the ball back to neutral, and then hopping back on the offensive. I think that's what always has separated team from the rest is his physicality, his ability to get back on his front foot after playing deep into the corners. Getting out of the getting out of those outer thirds, and I think that's where he's finally found his confidence. Is like he's comfortable playing those longer extended rallies where he might be on defense for three or four shots before he flips the point. I think that that's what makes team special. And um, I know you asked me a few podcasts ago if I ever saw him hopping back into the I think that you said top ten or fifteen, and I I just didn't see his his, his two way game. I didn't I, I saw he was able to dictate when he was hitting the ball well, but when, when he wasn't stringing it clean he struggled to play any type of defense and guys were really kind of pushing him around the court and he looked a little bit out of, out of sorts, hitting passing shots and um, making those plays on the run. But the last two weeks he's been in action, especially this tournament, he looks much more fluid. He looks like the team that we saw pre-injury is, is showing glimpses and that's a positive sign. And I, I think team had some, some criticism. Uh, Holger Rune came on our podcast and said that he wasn't sure how much team loved the game, which I wasn't sure was fair. I think team is starting to show that joy again on the court. And I think he's he's just a fun athlete to watch. And it's been fun to watch him figure it out. A couple of things off of that. A, to your point about his enthusiasm. I mean, Nicholas Masu and his brother Moritz were on him today. They were standing up after every point. You can 
audibly hear Masu. Let's go, Dami. Come on, Dami. Just point after point after point. Masu just looks like a tennis coach that I want in my corner. I mean, is the ponytail real? It's got to be. He looks like he's... He looks like he belongs in the movie The Patriot. I feel like he should have his shirt off somewhere in Monte Carlo just at all times of the day. Like, just <laughs> let that ponytail out and just sandals on as he's roaming those streets in the offseason. Like, have you seen The Patriot before? The movie? With Mel Gibson. I'm aware of its presence. I he will say looks Mel like Gibson. The bad guy in that movie. <laughs> Mel Gibson, not a big hit in Jewish households. Uh, just going to throw that out <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know. Passion of the Christ is not something that was on our hit list. Um, that said, I mean, the real point I wanted to hit on, because I thought it was an excellent one by you, and I wanted to follow up on it. You talk about the legs, and I know I mentioned his defensive skills, but when we talked about will team be top 10 again, it was just could he regain his physicality? Now, we're on red clay courts, which has always been his best surface, and he has a little bit more time to do everything. But the sliding in and out of corners, the ability to take his return position, produce as much power as he does on the ball, and now work his way footwork-wise into the baseline and, you know, again, turning defense into offense once more, he did it in a month. Like, he lost first round of a challenger, start of July. He goes quarterfinals in Bostad, semifinals in Stad, and in my opinion, is now the favorite in Kitz Buell. And I know Albert Ramos Vanolas as a lefty with the physicality, that's a final I would love to see. Bautista Agut, I think another good final I would like to see. It's going to be fun to watch Yana Konovman hit the kick serve, serve and volley, try and take time away from Dominic Team. But Pumping, to your yeah, he's like six six. He's gonna be yeah, tough. Exactly. But to your point, it's just like it's only been a month and he looks a step and a half faster than he did like in week number one. It's just like, well, okay, he's only 28 years old. It was a wrist injury, not a leg injury. There's a world where he's been and knowing team and the athlete and work ethic that he has. I'm sure he stayed in shape through the wrist injury. It's not like he didn't touch a treadmill or, you know, go climbing in the mountains like Guther Brensnick and him used to do in his younger days at some point during that injury. Like... Absolutely. Uh, that's the most impressive part is that it's been a month and he's yeah, this no. much better. And it's like, OK, he's not top 10 yet, but he's certainly top 35. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's the biggest one of the biggest um, things, storylines of the tour in the last 20 days or so, 10 days is like, I feel like I haven't done a complete 180, but I've, I've definitely shifted my opinion that like this guy is for sure going to find himself back as a seed in, in slams sooner yeah. than later. Yeah, absolutely. And with that said, I promised eight minutes per thing. We've already done nine on just team. You look at this draw again, bunch of withdrawals. No Rude, no Berrettini, no Greek Spore. Uh, you do have Albert Ramos Vinolas. And actually, things have held up pretty well. It's going to be a very, very fun quarterfinal round of action. Ramos Vinolas taking on Pedro Martinez. Uh, Martinez, obviously, good wins for him over Nicolas Yari, Federico Coria, Albert Ramos, uh, another quarterfinal for him. I believe it's his ninth on clay court since the start of 2021. Just ridiculous amounts of success. He's the litmus test for me. If you can beat him, you can be a top 25 player on clay. If you can't beat him, you're just no entry into the dance floor. Um, that's a really fun match. RBA, good bounce back for him. Win over Yuri Rodionov. He takes the always dangerous Yuri Lehechka, who I thought 
played Kasparut even last week. And just like it was one break of serve in each set. I thought the serve, the the plus one tennis he can play, his willingness to go big on the backhand. I like his weapons. Misalic versus Lajevic, team versus Hanifman. My bold pick is Dominic Team's going to win the tournament. My dark horse is that Lachetska might face him in the final. I think it's either a Lachetska team or a Martinez team final. I'm going bold here. What say you, Nate Walrath? What's your prediction for Kitzbühel? Mm, I'll take – give me Martinez versus team. I really – like, Lajovic is playing very good ball. So, I mean, if team is a little bit off form physically – Lajovic is going to make you feel that. So, um, but if team gets by uh, Lajovic, I really think team can take the title, like you said. But um, did you say Casper pulled out? He did after winning Stad. He was just like, "Am hey, it's shoulder injury, I believe." I mean, he I played mean, a lot of tennis last week. That's a bummer. No, it is. Yeah. Um, give me. I, I don't want to hop on on your on your uh, your big <laughs> pick there. So I mean, no, you can't. I, I really don't believe. I don't believe in RBA. Like I, I I did two or three years ago. That's just not a guy that I think can. But I do I do I, I do love this banner. Give me. Uh, I I kind of want to hop on the team train. Like I've seen it now twice in a row where I, I I'm starting to trust what I'm seeing. I give do me it. team. We'll go we'll, we'll go down together. I like it. The safe pick is Ramos. He's just so solid on this surface. And like if team doesn't have his legs under him. I don't know how that match goes anywhere. So, again, that's going to be a fun one, certainly, uh, for all of us to enjoy. And, by the way, all those quarterfinals coming up on Thursday. So, team going to have to play three consecutive days. That's an interesting note for that's, him that's as, he, as he takes on Yannick Hanifman. With that said, let's move on now. And the place I want to move next is actually Atlanta uh, because certainly always fun to have action here back in the States. The official kickoff of the North American Hardcourt Swing much like we focused on Dominic Team uh, when we uh, in that Kitzbühel rundown, how freaking good has Tommy Paul been uh, through his first few matches in Atlanta? One and one over Jack Sock in about an hour. Three and three today against Sun Wukwan. You look for Tommy Paul now. It's three consecutive 250 events that he's made the quarterfinals or further at. He did it uh, at Queens Club, did it in Eastbourne, uh, now does it here in Atlanta. Of course, made the round of 16 at Wimbledon as well. You look for TP. He's 31st in the points race right now, Nate, and you look for him overall, 35th in the rankings. We may have like seven Americans seated at the 2022 U.S. Open, and deservedly so, particularly with Tommy, who's just hitting his forehand better than I've ever seen, Nate. His, his approval rating has to be up there with Diego Schwartzman's. I feel like Tommy, like, how can you not like this guy? Um, he's one of the best athletes on the tour. He's such a fluid mover. He has weapons. He's got the relatable build for, for us. He's under six foot tall. You know, for people that like, it's like the game is getting bigger, but at the same time, it's like when you see a guy like him, you're like, all right, guys that are average builds, you know, 5'10", 5'11", can still be a major factor on the tour. And I think he's shown that. Like, he's got the variety in his game. He's got – his backhand is so pure. It's so compact. He has so much control on it with his shoulder. He, his, he just puts his left shoulder over the backhand so well. And the forehand is just an absolute – it's a rocket launcher. So – Hopefully we get uh, the two the two buddies Opelka and Tommy Paul in the next matchup. That will be a lot of fun to watch the uh, the big server go against the the big forehand. Um, well, those guys your, have been practicing a lot together as well. 
to your point, well, Riley pulls out of the tournament today, unfortunately, with an injury. That was well, late breaking news. Yeah, late breaking news in the past. We're recording this 4.30 p.m. I think it came out like an hour ago, two hours wow, ago. Wow, so he's got a Vashka? So he will – no, no, no. Stevie Johnson replacing him in the draw. Riley hasn't played a match yet technically. Oh, so Stevie so J Stevie in Johnson's as the lucky loser. So it's Ivashka wow. versus Johnson tonight, uh, which, by the way, is a pretty fun match. Shout out to Stevie J. That's why you play doubles just in case something like this happens. Tommy, wow. you know, right now on the ATP Tour, and I actually think this is a testament to some of the up-and-down play we've seen from everyone not named Nadal Djokovic or Alcaraz this season or Sinner, who's just been injured a lot of the time. But right now, there are only 10 guys who rank top 25 in both hold and break percentage. If you extended that to guys who rank top 30 in both hold and break percentage, that list becomes 15 of the top 50 players. Tommy Paul would be one of those 15. Who's whole, you know, he's top 20 break percentage, but I believe he's 29th in hold percentage. Like he's been rock solid. And again, to me, it starts with a plus one forehand. He's just turning into that ball so cleanly. To your point, I was having this debate with Gil Gross. Do you consider Tommy Paul a top-tier athlete on the ATP sure. Tour? Do you put him up there with the Davidovich Fokinas, the Demon Hours, the Monfises, Tiafos of the world, pound for pound, you know? If you want to put in a dollar, on that, that feels a little bit disrespectful to just lump Gael Monfils in there. I think well, Gael's one of the most. But Gael's the, the peak of the top tier. Like, it's his that's tier, the, but like these, yeah. or maybe he's on a tier of his own. That's fair. But I'm saying. Gael's got to be the tier of his own. That, so that, that of, guy of the mortal humans, of the actual, because we're, there's only one Gael Monfils. Very good point by yeah. you, Nate Doug. Of the best of the rest, he's on that list, right? Certainly. I mean, I just, there's no, it's on, yeah. Like, he. He can do everything. He, he's he's so fluid as as a mover. He's strong. He bullies the ball. Like when, when he hits the ball, like the ball feels it every time. Like he lays the wood on it every time. He's such a clean ball striker as well. His hand eye is elite. He's got great hands. He's just he's a sick athlete. Yeah, that's there's no yeah. I think he's Gil, a better athlete than, than Seb Corda. I think, Gil I think was Seb arguing. Is a great athlete. Well, Seb Corda is not as fluid as no. Tommy. But Gil was arguing that he's not as twitchy as ADF. That he doesn't quite have that elite top speed or that elite power. I just like I fundamentally disagree. Like I think that's actually a pretty good comparison. I think they both live there. I think Shapovalov lives in that territory from time to time as well. I mean Francis lives in that territory for sure. I think De- I think Tommy's more smooth than Dennis. I think Dennis is a little clunky at times, depending I on the agree. surface. No, he's a little thinner too. That's why yeah. Dennis is a little bulkier. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think they're therefore a little more powerful. But I think Tommy can be that powerful. And he's finding ways to channel it more. And I mean, more. Tommy's what, 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, he's like – No, and he's Tommy's 6'2", like please. He's is five, he? Nine. He's not 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Was he 5'11"? No, he's not 6'0". He he is well. Okay. Still, First of all, people who are five eleven say they're six feet. We both know. Um, He's at no. least two or three inches shorter than me, though. I mean, Tommy Paul is listed at six one. That feels about right. Wow. I, I'm saying he's five eleven with shoes on. That's I disagree. They have JJ Wolf listed at six one, and JJ's like five ten and a half. Yeah. Look. You're right. Those numbers are juiced from time to time. There are more players we've t- we've had. Well, I had this conversation with Gil. And we've talked about it. We've broached the topic here on Crack Records before. How many players in the top 100 do you think weigh over 200 pounds on the men's side? One or two. Can you imagine playing a full season weighing more than 200 pounds? Like, that's why it's so fascinating because to carry that much weight must be miserable. I bet Denis Shapovalov is in the top 20% in terms of weight. Like, he's a big boy. 
what? of top 100 players. It, you think Berrettini's listed at like 195 or 196? Dennis is probably listed at like 185. Tiafo's listed at 165. There's no way. Yeah, right. Be, no when way. he was 14. Exactly. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah. It, so some of them are juiced. Wow, we're really. It's a good day. Sorry. If you good, yeah. No, I. I that's stuff. I, I like to nerd out on this stuff. We know that. I like this is. Yeah. I think the uh, seeing where the landscape of tennis is is headed is always interesting. I think. Guys like Tommy, we talk about him as an athlete. I just think with his stature, like what he's able to do to a tennis ball from any area on the court, whether it's behind the baseline, at the serve, up at the net with his overheads, he's just got clean, compact power, and I think he is just a great mover as well. Well, according to Tennis Abstract, with all the withdrawals we've seen, Tommy Paul right now, Kyrgios obviously was in his section. He withdrew. Opelka withdrawing from his section. Tommy Paul's the favorite to win the event, 19.9%. Tommy Paul is winning this event. He's winning according Atlanta. According to Atlanta. Atlanta. After him, by the way, comes Brooksby, the sixth seed, who has so many points to defend and just made Benoit Pair quit in that match. 15.2% for Brooksby, 14.8% uh, for Demon Hour, 10.7% for Nakashima. My bold take, and I said it at the start of the week, is that for the first time, and I'll look it up, well, I think Ryan Harrison won it not that long ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the first time since 1776, since we seceded from England, John Isner will not win the Atlanta Open this year. And the last time Isner lost it, 2019, Demon Hour. But Isner's won it all but three seasons since 2013. My prediction is that he does not win it this year. Is that There's it's going that to be someone else? I like the prediction. So are you are you predicting that the that the uh, the the Gator is gonna take the chomp at Isner and take out the Georgia Bulldog? You're right. We didn't do any Ben talk, but we do so much Ben talk. We do. Um, we do. We, I hope people. How about Andreas Martin? Got to give the Georgia Tech uh, wow. All American a shout out. He was excellent yesterday against the cock. Torch to cut. Beat up Kakanakis, actually. I was I had no idea until that match was probably set in that that guy was a, a college tennis player. Really? I, I really didn't. Like I, yeah, he's I, unheralded. He's really, really he probably should have gotten there was this you know wild card event in Orlando uh a couple weeks ago that we were all monitoring that you know Riffis and Maloney and yeah. all these guys did well in. Um he probably should have gotten an invite because he's been damn good for Georgia Tech these past few years. Tech's got a program. They got some pros out there. They do indeed. They know how to coach him up. But no, so again, he plays Manorino, Battle of the AMs. That's fun. Who you picking? I'm going. <sighs> Listen to this bottom half of the draw. Here's who's left Nakashima, and then Tiafo plays Taro Daniel. No disrespect to you, Taro Daniel, but if he would have lost to Korda, the draw remaining, and I'm just going to exclude Daniel, it's Nakashima, Tiafo, Brooksby, Mackey, Shelton, Isner. I mean, can we fly Cracked Rackets out tomorrow? Like, that's guys, that's the dream. We're back. Um, where, where did we just see Nakashima play Tiafo? Was that at Wimbledon? They didn't play at Wimbledon. Nakashima made the fourth round. He played Kyrgios where did they play in round four. Nak maybe the French? No, Nakashima what? played Zverev at the French. The last time Nakashima played Tiafo was in Miami. Three sets. Good memory by you. Okay, I know it was sometime kind of recently. Um, no, I would love to see that matchup. I know that's kind of – I think Nakashima has looked like a much more confident player on the forehand wing the last couple of weeks. Like, he looks like he's stepping into that a little bit more. He runs around the backhand a little bit more often. That's a good sign for me is, like, you use your height, use your, like, physicality on the, on, on the forehand ball and make sure you're pushing guys to the corner. I think he was too comfortable settling for a backhand cross-court um in the last year or so so it's good to see Nakashima kind of lean in on that forehand wing and 
He's going to have to dictate if he plays uh, Tiafo. You don't want to be playing defense. Serves turned into a weapon. And, of course, Nakashima was a finalist here last year. Nakashima with those points coming off of his resume. Still currently sitting uh, in the rankings at number 67. Um, Look, third round, French Open. Fourth round, Wimbledon. I agree. The serves turned into a weapon. He's holding over 82% of the time. He's above the average of the top 50 players on the ATP Tour. It's a load. All right. You're taking Tommy? Got to. All right. I got to pick first last time, so that's fair. <sighs> I, I like watching Tommy's tennis the most. It just it, it makes for an easy prediction. I want to see Brandon. it. I believe he can do it. Oh, man. Or am I going to take Francis? You know what? I'm going to take Francis. Francis, get the summer going. Give me the result we need to see. He's going to head home to his, his hometown tournament with the title. I like a Francis Tommy final. Come on now. Again, fly be, us out. We're ready. We're ready. I'll, I'll drive down to Atlanta with you on that for sure. You can we'll, – we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. Yeah, we'll do what we need to do. All right. With that said, let's switch gears now talk about the WTA action happening this week. Again, we've got two WTA events, one in Prague, one a premier event in Warsaw. Let's blitz through the Warsaw one fairly quickly. Not to be disrespectful to this WTA event, but simply put – Iga Swiatek on a clay court is just going to win. And, like, I don't know. When's the next time Iga loses a clay court match? Probably when she plays another exhibition match in Poland and she gets some more charity. Radzwanska might get her again. I don't know. Someone that she wants to do a favor for. That's really funny. It was – I. You got to pay Iga a lot of money for her to lose a match these days. This feels a little disrespectful to say, but – you know, I'm going to go with it anyway. She played Magdalena Freak today, 6-1, 6-2 victory. She loses three games, and you feel like she didn't even play that well. She just to watch the, the handshake the after, afterwards where Magdalena was just like, yeah, you were going to kill me. Like, it was like, you could see in that <laughs> face, like, yeah, one and two is about what I expected. And, like, Ego was like, you could see in Ego's face, she's like, sorry, I had to do that to you. Like, we both knew it was coming, right? <laughs> and, like, that was, it was the resignation from both of them. Ego being like, look, I had to kill you. And her opponent being like, yeah, you had to kill me. Like, no, 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 I knew it was coming. Like, don't feel, like, you could see she was like, don't feel bad. Like, don't, I know you're the golden goose, and all of us Polish tennis players are going to be riding your coattails for the next decade because of the opportunities you create with the star and platform you have built and become but like i'm just Chris saying happy to be there no just that's what i'm saying and this is pro tennis and it's like she's yeah. like no i'm just happy to do this in our home country like great man exactly. it was and it was literally like what did two like <laughs> I, I i buzzed to our producers or i didn't buzz because i wasn't on the microphone yet but i was talking to our producers before and i was like I was like, has anyone ever been, like, so prepared to get killed in their life? I was like, is this what we're doing nowadays with Ego? Like, holy crap. It was it was incredible. Like, it was – like, I looked at the numbers. Like, Schwantik served, like, 50% and still, like, had no problem. I don't even know if she faced yeah, a break point. That's what I'm saying. It was like – Zero break points and she served at a 50 clip. And they were laughing like, oh, that was actually, you know, closer than the experts predicted. Like, it was <laughs> – it was, it was something else. I've just – Again, Iga's on a different plane. According to Tennis Abstract, she's a 79% favorite to win the event. Yeah, you don't have I to mean, ask my prediction on this one. I'm I'm riding with the, the, the Polish hammer. I agree. I will say Sinyakova was down multiple set points and down a break in the second set as well. Pretty impressive. Bogdan, victory. Bogdan is balling, though. That's, yeah. that, that's well, back-to-back. Well, Martic is six win. straight. Martic won in Lausanne a couple of weeks ago, and— 
You know, yep. I, there's a visceral way she plays the game. You can, like, feel her massaging the outside of the ball and going cross-court or feel her slicing that backhand down the line. It's very, very enjoyable. Um, that said, I mean, I think Martic is Sviantek's biggest threat, but, like, who in this tournament has the weapons to hurt Sviantek? Caroline Garcia, for sure. Sorry, Caroline Garcia, because... Sure, she's a top 10 server on the WTA Tour, and when she's ripping winners, I don't care what surface you're on. It's just tough to deal with, and she can go out there and swing freely. But, like— Iga just takes cuts at the return on the play. That's what I'm saying. It's Iga. It's Iga's— She's not blocking we do, balls We back do this place. periodically after the grass court season, which is obviously the toughest surface to break serve on. She only played three matches. What is Iga Sviantek's break percentage this year? How frequently she's breaking serve? 30. Wait, 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 wait. Before you answer, the average of the top 50 of the WTA players, because you should get some context. The average is 36.3. Wow, I forget. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I changed. Yeah. Yeah. Probably it, like, context for the listeners, too. My bad. Damn. I should have said that. If I was better at hosting, I would have said that at the start. No, that is. I'm glad you said that because I was going to look kind of silly there. I was yeah, sorry, Mrs. Like, Walrath. I almost set up your son for failure. Yeah, Not I was going to say like 39% there, but we're going to aim north and we're going to say 56. Okay, shout out to you. First of all, it was at 56.2%. It's Ooh. dipped to a meager 54.8%. The <laughs> next closest person is at 49.1%. You know, that gap, 5.7% is the same gap between the second place player and the ninth place player. So it's yeah. like... What are we doing? Like fifty four point that that fifty four point eight would be a record on the WTA tour for a single season. And let's just say that out loud again. She breaks serve fifty five percent of the time. It's just like, all right, well, I held this time, so I'm not going to hold next time. So I better break because, like, otherwise. And by the way, she's top ten in both hold and break percentage. Like, she has been that good. She's maybe the only tier one player right now on the WTA tour. Yeah, we're Barty didn't retire. What was Fontek's rise to to fame as the face of the tour going to happen like this without Barty? Boy, would it be fun to watch them play because Barty has weapons, right? The serve, the forehand to make Iga uncomfortable. The slice, at least the slice is dangerous against Iga. Iga would have to that slice having to sink down on on the slice would be tough. Yeah, but can you imagine her hitting her backhand off of the Barty slice on a red clay court and it's just like ash? It's just like get ready to run, like because. That's what you're going to do. Barty had the best hands of anybody that I've ever watched. Yeah. I mean, it was – Barty it, was filthy. It's a shame because it would have been a really fun rivalry for if not just this season, the next couple of years as well. But all right, we're both picking Iga in Warsaw and no disrespect to the other players. Obviously, certainly impressed. Uh, and I have fun over there, guys, but Iga's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your time there. That's a good way of putting it. I, I agree with you there. All right. After that, let's move over to the WTA event in Prague. Again, we get uh, Kontave Krachikova back on court competing once again this week. Kontave, a finalist last week over in Hamburg. She's the number one seed this week. Advanced 0-1 oh, uh, oh over Gorgadza in round number one. Good win for Krachikova as well. 3-1 victory in round one for the number two seed. Now, we've had some seeds knocked out. Certainly, Kirstea was upset. Mertens upset. Van Utvenk out due to injury. But... The matchup I'm most looking forward to is a Kontave Potapova rematch. I had the chance to broadcast that Hamburg semifinal last week. Potapova, I 
spoke to you with about her at length last week, and I thought she lived up to the billing. She was exceptional. Neskova is a fun young Czech to watch compete against Cornet. Krachikova just getting her legs back under her. Buzkova, who is probably the toughest out physically right now. Her and Cerebez Tormo, if you put them on opposite sides of the court, would the match ever end? It's a good question. Um, I like Prague. I like this draw. And we're back on the hard courts. What are you seeing, Nate, Doug? Let's, I mean, starting at the top, I mean, I feel like Conteve has continued to kind of, she's kind of on that Dominic team um, game plan where she's trying to find her footing, trying to find her confidence and kind of get into form before the American hard court swing. And um, she had a lot of success here last year. So I'm, I just like watching her play. So I hope she continues to kind of push forward and find her form. Um, you, you gave Potapova her flowers. I like, the, I'm going to shout out Magda Lynette. I think Lynette takes this title. She's, she's, uh, has two good wins, taking, taking out Mertans and, uh, Tomova. I think now she's got Wang next. I think that's a very winnable matchup. I, um, I like, I like, I got back to back tournaments won by Polish women. Um, what else am I seeing? Court, um, Elise Cornet, always dangerous. That, that, her against, uh, Barbara Krachikova is a uh, popcorn matchup. So hopefully we get that one in the quarters as well. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm going Magda Lynette for this title. I think she takes out Potapova in the quarters. I'll I'll have her taking out. Uh, let's give me uh, Krachikova. It's I think you picked Krachikova last week, right? I got uh, Krachikova losing in the finals this this time to, to Lynette. Well, Krachikova played much better. I thought in her first round victory over Blinkova, it just felt like she finally had her feet under her. It felt like the depth of her ground strokes out of the corner was significantly better. I think I'm going to stick with Conteve for the second straight week. I just, I, Bernie P played the perfect match in the Hamburg final and the lefties won 12 consecutive matches all in straight sets. Like, yeah, it was a tough matchup because to beat Bernie P, you got to hurt her. got to hit the ball big into the corners, and, like, Conteve just wasn't quite able to do that on the clay. We're back on the hard courts now. According to Tennis Abstract, even including Ashley Barty, Conteve is the third-best hard court player in the world right now. If you take Barty out, she's number two behind Iga. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to say. Now, we're not indoors, but Conteve cruised in round number one. She's looked really good these past five matches. And so give me the world number two to start earning some points as she needs it, heading into a pressure-packed part of the schedule. Uh, if it's Buzkova in the final, she'll cruise. If it's Krachikova, that's a little tougher. I'm going to go Buzkova in my final against Conteve in Prague. Wow. I think I think that's a fun one. Last tournament for you, Nate Dog. Of course, the ATP event happening in Umag. The big upset on the day. Holger Runa, who now has lost seven consecutive matches since reaching that 2022 French Open uh, quarterfinal. He was up 6-3-3 all. He won the first 12 of the first 14 points of the match. And then his game just left him. And credit to 25-year-old Bernabe Zapata Morales, who reached a fourth round at the French Open this year, now reaches his first ATP quarterfinal as well. But just puzzling, puzzling play from Hogaruna continues. And I thought he looked really good. I thought the plus one forehand, he was hitting it inside in, inside out, landing the first serve, hitting his backhand as purely as always. 
And then after about an hour, 15 minutes, he just lost his level. And again, ultimately a 3-6-6-3-6-2 win for Zapata Morales. Now, right now, Yannick Sinner, hour and a half into a 6-4-4-3 break of serve lead on Haumi Munar. That match is going to finish after we're done recording this podcast. Alcaraz in the draw. Uh, Musetti in the draw. Baez in the draw. It's a really fun bottom half, even with Carveas Benya beating Alex Molchan uh, earlier today. I mean... I love this draw. I'm sad we lose Runa. I'm curious your thoughts on him, but where are you at with Umaga? I think it just feels like the whole Runa is obviously still very young. Is he 19? He's a baby. 19? Yeah, I think, and I think it did impact him with his his little fault that he had with his mom on court. Um, whatever you know, whatever that was as a teenager interacting with his his mom, and I think all that stuff. He's emotional young kid who I think this the, the media stuff kind of impacts him. I think that has had a result or had an impact on his results. But I really do think I, I don't worry about him getting his getting his form back and finding his footing um, at some point on the hard court swing in, in the United States. Um, I just for him, it's like he loves training on clay. So that's that makes it a little more puzzling is I know he does a lot of his training on red clay. So you would think that he'd be pretty comfortable playing in these. Uh, I'll be interested to see what what he kind of turns to with his uh kind of with his practice schedule and how he kind of shifts his attention to the hard courts. Um, obviously, Alcaraz, I, I was thinking that he may pull out with a lot of points coming up in the um, Western Cincinnati and uh, Toronto and all these other events, but he looks like he's just going to keep stockpiling as many points as he can along along the way, and he's not worried about his gas tank. So I thought that was uh, interesting to see him back in another tournament on clay. Musetti, obviously dangerous uh, looking I mean, you, me and you and I were texting about him the other day. He's just and a good three-set win in round number one for him as well. Yeah, I mean, given the situation, he's coming off a title, a long run, uh, physical battle against Alcaraz. His like, yeah, I mean, his ability to, to find depth and pace and just the heaviness off the backhand return on clay is uh, team-esque. When he was in form, uh, Center. I mean, obviously, Center's. Yeah, this Center is his. His he's just a work of art. His ground strokes how he can punish the ball off both wings, dictate with his patterns where his margins are seemingly like he's never going to even, he's not, he doesn't even risk missing a ball. He's just pounding balls with like three feet by three feet in the corner. So just a low risk shot for him. I think he's always dangerous. And if he's serving semi-decent, I think he'll get to the final um, where I think he'll face Alcaraz for another final. So Alcaraz versus center would be fun. I know we just saw that matchup. Um, Was that? Where do we see those two play at the French? Alcaraz Center just no. played at Wimbledon. Yeah. Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm losing it. So yeah, no, seeing a rematch no, no. of that. First one. of all, Wimbledon and the French Open were like a week apart, so it's fine to confuse them. I, I, I'm glad I get the okay there because I knew it was yeah. sometime recently. But we see Center and Cross again. I'm always signing up for that popcorn match. We, we, we uh, that's 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 we'll DVR on that. No, one. I'm picking that just to try and will it into existence. Because yes, that could be the rivalry of the next decade, and I want to. It could be the rivalry of the next 15 years, not just decade. We're talking about two guys who are still going to be under 30 in 2030, and so yeah, right. I'm locked in on that one. Um, look, Musetti's exceptional. I would love to see some Italian on Italian action uh, in that Umag semifinal, but. I think Sebi Baez is going to break things up. I think Baez ends the run of Musetti and just, boy, Baez Sinner is going to be exceptional. You know, Zapata Morales, Galan, even Zepieri, the young lefty, 
It's a lot to like. There's not a single bad permutation unless, with all due respect, Norbert Gombos run, makes a run to the title. Because then we're like, come on, Norbert. M- Mutaver's outcrisis will be fun, too. I mean, just Everything's just, good. Yeah. And uh, so, no, I agree with you. I think it's it's fun across the board. And so, you know, with that said, as part of my everlasting battle with Gil Gross, I'll take Sinner over Alcaraz in the final because I'm Team Sinner and he's Team Alcaraz. With all that said... Another busy week on the ATP and WTA Tour broken down here on a Tennis Point Tuesday. Of course, again, for all the latest and greatest equipment, turn to tennis-point.com right now. Nate Dog, what can we expect over the next month as we gear up for Cincinnati? You can expect us to hit the ground running hard. I want to make sure we're, we're tripling down on content this year. I want to make sure we keep you guys in the loop as far as on the grounds. We'll be doing some uh, exclusive content with the Cracked Rackets team, I know. Um, hopefully this college showcase, everything goes and pulls together with that. You and I will be on the uh, on the microphone promoting what we love best with our college tennis uh, guys. Hopefully we get some – we won't give away too many previews, but some college tennis guys that are on the tour hopefully will come by and uh, talk to the, some of the players and stuff. I'm really excited for that event on August 12th or 13th. I forget the date of that. But, um, no, guys, check us out, tennis dash point – or tennis underscore point on, on TikTok, tennis underscore point underscore USA on Instagram. Uh, all the new releases with rackets, apparel, shoes, string. You guys can find all that stuff there. Like we always say, if you guys have any questions on gear, apparel, tennis, anything you guys have for us, send them in. We try to message you guys all back as quickly as possible. And uh, like always, appreciate you guys for having us on here. We look forward to this every week. It is always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you, Nate. And again, tennis-point.com for all the latest and greatest equipment. We're immensely grateful for their continued support. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. A shout-out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff for the of any job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With all of that said, we'll talk to you all tomorrow as we enjoy a busy week on the ATP and WTA Tour. So for my fantastic co-host, Nate Walrath, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell the people? That's the break. And we will see you all next time. Thank you, as always, my friend. Have a great week, guys. Talk to you soon, buddy.